Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on February 21st, 2021, on the basis of Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of the songs that you learn as little kids are, are so simple, yet they are so profound. The, the words themselves are simple, simple enough that, that a child at a very young age can understand what they're saying. But when you put those simple words together, they convey some, some deep truth. Some things that, that are incredibly deep and profound, things that we want to carry with us every day of our lives, not just when we're little, but, but things we want to hold on to even when we get older as well. Let me give you an example. One of the songs that, that maybe you learned as a kid was, Jesus Loves Me. You know that one? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. And then it goes on into the, the refrain. And several more verses after that. We could spend a lot of time talking about each of those lines. We could spend time dissecting each of those lines because they're so simple, yet so incredibly profound. Well, we're not going to go through the whole song today, but, but we are going to take a look at just one of those lines. They are weak, but he is strong. Now, in the context of the song, it's talking about physical strength. Because it's talking about the little ones to him belong. It's talking about somebody like Nathan. He's physically weak, but, but Jesus is strong. Yet that line is true for all of us sitting here today too. I am weak, but he is strong. The section of scripture that we're looking at this morning is from the, the book of Mark. Mark is one of the, the four gospels, and it's considered the, the action gospel. It's considered the action gospel because it moves very quickly from, from one account to the next. He, he doesn't waste a whole lot of time uh, with, with a bunch of details. He, he writes very succinctly. And so the, the section that we're looking at this morning is from the temptation of Jesus. And so to, to give you an idea of, of Mark, th this section is also recorded in Matthew and in Luke. In Matthew, it's 11 verses long. In Luke... It's 13 verses long. In Mark, it's just two verses long. And that's our, our word for today. Mark writes, At once the Spirit sent him, sent Jesus, out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So Jesus was baptized he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and, and it was an amazing scene. Heaven was opened. The Father spoke. This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. That The Trinity was present. It was really an awe-filled scene. That's followed quickly by the words of, of verse 12. At once, this is kind of characteristic of Mark's gospel, 
at once or immediately, Jesus is sent into the wilderness, sent by the Spirit. Kind of interesting, the word that, that is used in Greek that we translate as sent can also be, be translated as thrown. And so Jesus is, is baptized and then he is thrown into the wilderness by the Spirit. This tells us something. Jesus was going to get right to work. There was no time to waste. It says that that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. In Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, it tells us that he fasted for those 40 days. So Jesus was in isolation for 40 days. It was 40 days without food. It was 40 days amongst the wild animals of the Judean wilderness. And this had to affect Jesus. Now, maybe we gloss over that sometimes, right? Because we tend to think of Jesus like, like Superman, right? He's really strong. Nothing affects him like it affects us. But we, we find out from Scripture that, that he's like us in every way. He has human weakness like us too. And so 40 days without eating, he's hungry. He's weak. He's tired. This is the state in which the devil comes to tempt Jesus. Now, if it was anyone else... That level of weakness, that level of tiredness would have sufficiently lowered his defenses, right? That's what we think for for us, right? When you're weak, when you're tired, when you're hungry, it's not a time when your defenses are are on high alert, right? I'm guilty of being what we call hangry sometimes too, right? So you're not in a good mood when, when you're hungry, when you're weak, when you're tired, and you're not ready to withstand the attacks of Satan when you are hungry, when you're weak, and when you're, you're tired. But I guess the, the, the real question for us is, is there ever really a time when we aren't weak? We kind of don't like that question a whole lot, right? We don't like that question because we don't like being called weak, We'd rather be called a million other things than be called weak. I want to be strong. I want to be self-sufficient. The last thing I want to be is weak. We kind of have this natural thing in us that doesn't want to come to grips with the fact that we are weak. It's a pride thing. We think very highly of ourselves because I want to be strong. At least I want to show other people that I'm strong. I want to be self-sufficient. At least I don't want to tell anybody else that I'm dependent. We have this inability to come to grips with our own spiritual weakness, and it's problematic for us. It's problematic because our solution ends up being that we either, one, pretend that we are strong, or two, pretend that there is no battle with sin going on, that there's no temptations out there. And either way, we're pretending. I can tell you this story now because my, my grandpa has gone to heaven. He, he went to heaven several years ago now. Uh, but th- as he was getting a little bit older, he started to have a hard time hearing. Pretty normal thing, right? But we lose our hearing as we get older. Well, he was so adamantly against getting hearing aids. <laughs> it was a battle. It was a battle, sometimes comical, sometimes frustrating. Um, no matter who was trying to convince him that he should get hearing aids, he would not listen, figuratively and literally. <laughs> my, my mom tried, my dad tried, I tried. He, he just was not going to get hearing aids. And his response a lot of times was, I can hear just fine. 
I don't need hearing aids. I, I can hear perfectly. Well, he, he couldn't. And pretending that he could really did no good for him. He, he could pretend that his hearing was strong, but that pretending that he was strong when his hearing was weak did him no practical good. We do the same thing with sin. We either pretend that our sin doesn't exist, or we make our sin to be such a tiny, inconsequential thing that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. We're really good at rationalizing and minimizing our sin until it's so small that, that we can say, we don't have a problem, we're not weak, we're strong. Right? We convince ourselves that. And that's dangerous enough to convince ourselves that we are strong when we're actually weak. But perhaps even more dangerous than that is to pretend that there is no battle going on out there, that there is no temptation or danger. Perhaps the devil's greatest trick in our time is to convince us that he doesn't exist, or at least if he does exist, he's no threat. It's the spiritual version of a sneak attack. He lulls you to sleep only to pounce on you and ravage your soul. The devil most certainly exists. He's just as crafty as he was in the garden with Adam and Eve. And, and we get an example of that when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Mark doesn't record it. It just says that, that Jesus was tempted, being tempted by Satan for those 40 days. In Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, they record three specific temptations. Now, Jesus was likely tempted a lot more than just those three times, but he records three temptations for us. The first one goes like this. Jesus has gone without food for 40 days. He's hungry, right? He's weak. We've already talked about that a little bit. Satan comes to him and says, aren't you hungry, Jesus? Why don't you just turn those stones to bread? Satisfy that, that hunger. Come on, you can do it. Now, Jesus is very hungry at this point, right? So what's Satan trying to do? He's trying to prey on Jesus' weakness, trying to, to prey on his hunger. He's trying to get him to use his divine power for his own selfish good. He's trying to get him to, to lose self-control. The devil comes to us with that same attack. He preys on our weakness. He knows where you're weak. He knows where he can poke and you'll lose self-control. He knows where he can poke to get you to choose your will over his will. He knows that we are spiritually weak, and when he brings us this attack, we fail. The second temptation goes like this. He brings Jesus up to the top of the temple mount. This is a really high place on the temple. And he says to Jesus, if you really trust God, if you really trust what God says in his word, that he'll send his angels to protect you, then jump off. The angels will protect you. They'll catch you on your way down. Come on. Don't you trust God? The devil brings us that, that same one. He wants you to test God. He wants you to, to push limits. He wants you to twist God's word just a little bit to serve your purpose. Or at the very least, he wants you to follow someone else who's twisting God's word. He knows that, that we're, we're spiritually gullible. And when the devil brings us this attack, we fail. 
the third temptation. He brings Jesus up to a very high mountain where you can see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says to Jesus, all of this will be yours if you just bow down to me. Satan brings us that same attack. He knows that we have a desire for power. We have a desire for for control in our life. We want to make our own decisions. We don't want anybody else to make decisions for us, not even God. When he comes to us with the attack of power and control and seizing that for ourselves from God, we fail. A proper, honest evaluation leads us to this conclusion. I am weak. And it's not that sometimes I'm strong and sometimes I'm weak. It's that even when I think that I'm strong, I'm actually weak. A concept that that song said so easy. When Jesus loves me, says, I am weak. It's true. But there's a second half to that phrase too, right? I am weak, but he is strong. If you went on YouTube when you got home from church and you just typed in temptation of Jesus, you'd find a ton of different sermons out there. And a lot of them are pretty good. A lot of them focus a lot on the three temptations that we've already talked about a little bit. They talk about the devil's tactics, which we've already talked about a little bit. Because it's important to know those things. It's important to know how the devil wants to try to trick us and deceive us. Because, frankly, the devil's tricks have not really changed that much over the years. He, he just keeps replaying the golden oldies because they, they seem to work on us, right? But I don't want us to miss the main point. And I don't want people that watch those YouTube videos to, to reach the wrong conclusion. Because the purpose of this account is not so that we can strategize and, and come up with a battle plan of how we're going to put up our defenses against Satan. It, it's not... So we can strategize so that we can be strong against Satan's temptations. We've already established that we aren't strong. We've already established that that we're weak. The main point of this account is to show you that Jesus did what you couldn't do. He was repeatedly tempted and he never gave in. Jesus was baptized and his baptism was his inauguration day. He had now begun his ministry. Most inaugurations have a lot of pomp and circumstance, right? But Jesus was thrown into the wilderness to begin his work. And in the wilderness, he did begin his work. His work was to be your substitute. His work was to do on your behalf what you couldn't do. His work was to be tempted and never give in. Never, never sin, not once. And boy, the devil tried. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way. Every way that, that a person could possibly be tempted, Jesus was tempted. He lived on this earth for 33 years, and for all 33 years, he was tempted. And yet, there was never a time when Jesus was just a little bit disobedient. He was always perfectly obedient to the Father, Jesus never had to rationalize or minimize sin because 
He was sinless. He always perfectly depended on, on his father for everything. Satan tried to, to cut off that line of dependence, but Jesus never gave in. He was perfect. He was sinless. He, he did it not to show you that you could do it. He did it not to prove that he could. He did it because he had to be your perfect substitute. He wanted to be able to give you his perfection. Because there's probably areas of your life where you know that you are weak. You are very aware of that. And you hate that you are weak. Every time you give in to that weakness, every time the devil exploits that weakness, you hate yourself for giving in to that weakness, whether it's anger or lust or gossip or greed or pride, whatever it may be, the devil knows right where to exploit you and you hate that. You hate your weakness. And the solution for that, your salvation for that, is not to try harder, is not to, to be stronger, but your salvation is found in Jesus, in relying on, on Jesus who did it perfectly for you, who withstood all of those same temptations and never gave in so that he could give you his perfection. And he has done that. He has given you his perfection so that when the, the Father looks at you, he doesn't see the million times that you've given in to the same sin. He sees perfection. He sees what Jesus did on your behalf. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see a beaten down, worn down sinner, but he sees a strong, victorious person because Jesus has given this victory and given this strength to you. Yeah, we're weak, but he is strong. Pretty awesome to have the, the affirmation of baptism today. Pretty awesome day for our, our church. It was an awesome, awesome time for, for Nathan to be baptized in, in the hospital, to be brought in as, as a child of God, God claimed him as his own. He was washed through water and the word. And it's important that, that we had this affirmation in church today too. It's important because it reminds all of you of the day that you were baptized. It reminds you of what your baptism day meant for you. It's something that, that has lasting effect. It happened one time, probably a long time ago for a lot of you. But it has lasting effects to today and on into eternity. Because much like Jesus' baptism and ensuing temptation, it's a lot the same for us. We're baptized and then we are thrown into the wilderness. <laughs> thrown into the, the wilderness of this world where the devil constantly tempts us and tries to exploit us. And, and yeah, we're weak. We give in. But our baptism reminds us that we have put on Christ, that we have now put on a robe of, of righteousness that Christ has given to us, so that even when we are weak, we are strong, because Christ is our perfect substitute. Amen.